0: Hey guys, sorry to interrupt today's episode, but I was gifted these period underwear from Lalova and they hold two and a half tampons worth and some of their underwear holds four tampons worth. I couldn't help but to think about how awesome it would have been to have these during my miscarriage journey so that it didn't feel like I was wearing a big old diaper all the time. And I know some of you can probably relate. So I just wanted to share that they are having a Black Friday sale. Uh, I believe it is is three pairs of underwear for 40% off and six pairs of underwear for 50% off. So I will leave the link in the description of this episode um, and feel free to snag yourself a discount. Now let's get back into it. Hello, everyone. We have Tynice Seaburo on today's episode. I am so excited to get to know a little bit more about her and hear her story. Tynice, I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you like.
1: All right, great. Thank you so much for this opportunity to talk with your audience um, in regards to just life after miscarriage. Um, Just one of those unfortunate things that so many women have to endure in life. And you know, when I first got marriage, married, married, I knew that I didn't want to have children, at least like the first five years of my life. Um, but um, I didn't know that being able to conceive and have a baby was going to be a challenge for us. Um, and so I remember like years, I am a dreamer. And so that's just sort of how God deals with me. And I typically see a lot of things before things sort of happen. And I remember having dreams years ago, and, um, but I didn't really understand the full picture at that moment. And this had to be way back in like um, 2000 or so. And I remember having this dream about this little baby's boy, and I could see his face, but the face was all disfigured. But that's all I saw, and I had no other details, no other type of contest, you know. So I just jotted that dream down, went on about my business, carried on with my life, you know. Um, and then here I am. I get married. Um, we decide, okay, I think we're ready after about seven years of marriage. We're like, hey, let's go ahead and really start trying to have a baby. And I didn't know that it would take us about fourteen months before we were able to be successful with even being able to conceive and have a baby. And so we were super excited. Um, it finally happened and uh, we have our first OBGYN appointment. and at this time my husband wasn't available. And so I went with my mother to my first appointment and we're so excited to be able to listen, to hear the heartbeat of this baby and um i was telling my husband about the appointment and but i do remember them saying from the very beginning that the baby um, was measuring a little bit smaller than it should be but me being first time pregnant you know i was still clueless i didn't really understand all of that um not really alarmed at that moment you know um and then we go back for our second appointment and i will tell you that November 1st, 2013 is a day that I will never forget because it was this day that my husband was actually available. He was in town. He went to the appointment with me for ultrasound and they were searching for a while. And then I remember my husband asking the question, he said, well, where's the heartbeat? And they looked at us and said, we can't find one and I broke. Um, And I think it was really hard for him because he was never here the first time to hear the heartbeat and see how the child was progressing. He showed up the second time around. And um, the dreams for the child that you had, they all just died in that moment. Um, And I remember, you know, just... For me, a person who says that my, my faith is you know, um, it's a really big part of my life. And so for me, this was a moment where not only was I journaling, you know, it was also a time of prayer and seeking the face of God and um, really just needing some healing in my life. Because um, I began to really begin to think about some of the dreams that I've had in the past. And now I'm beginning to put the little pieces of the puzzle together to see the full picture on what just transpired in my life at this moment in time. And I remember a second dream that I had and still didn't understand it at that moment where I could see like these chromosomes and it was like, they were being, they were duplicated like crazy. They just kept multiplying. Um, And I still didn't understand it until the day that I suffered the miscarriage and all of a sudden it hit me the face that I saw in the baby years ago that was all disfigured to the chromosomes that were multiplying um, throughout the dream. That means that I suffered a miscarriage due to a baby who had a chromosomal abnormality. I understood it in this moment. Um, and so I remember having a conversation with my father, who's also um, a minister of the gospel. He said, don't become bitter with God. And for me, that wasn't going to be something that would happen with me. And the reason being is because I know how he deals with me by way of dreams. Um, in my moments of reading the word, in the moments of journaling, in my time of prayer and spending quality time with him. Um, I know the, the feeling of healing and um, to the <clears throat> those inspirational moments when there's just like a word of inspiration that he drops on you in a moment that really just encourages your heart when you feel like every part of you has been shattered and broken. I know what that feels like. Um, But this was November 1st, 2013. But let me tell you another day that I will never forget. And that was November the first 2014 a year later because at this time I was pregnant again um, we had tested uh, we tested positive for our pregnancy test in August of 2014 um, and we were pregnant again so this time instead of grieving on November 1st the following year I was actually celebrating and excited about this new child that was growing in me. And this one right here was strong, you know, um, right on on chart the way that it, she's supposed to be and just growing, developing the way that she's supposed to. And um, April 26, 2015, we had a healthy baby. And, you know, for some people, <clears throat> after you have a miscarriage, I think the biggest thing really is just determining when how soon do I really want to try again? And for us, um, I think we sat down for maybe four or five months and then we decided, do we think that we're ready to try again? We're really willing to go through this again. Um, And we decided after about four or five months, let's try again. And um, it didn't take that long. It didn't take that long at all for us to conceive and to have a healthy baby. Um, I think the hardest days for me really was um, at this time was working as an occupational therapist in a hospital setting. And in our department, it was like 25 women. All right. You can only imagine what that's like. Um, Women who have tried over eight years trying to have babies, women who have gotten pregnant, but then they suffer miscarriages, women who have decided that well, Is not going to work. I think we should consider adoption um, to every month. I swear we had to have baby showers. They're like baby showers on steroids, right? And I think for me, during those moments, some of the hardest days were showing up during your lunch break to celebrate another therapist and their baby being supportive for somebody else while inwardly you're still secretly, silently suffering. Um, I think those were the hardest days, but for a person who understands um, that literally everything that we do in life are really like seeds that are being sown, that are being planted, and believing that seeds always produce after their own kind, um, I didn't mind celebrating another individual and their baby, because I knew that one day there was going to be a day where it would be my turn you know, where people would be celebrating with me to have um, as I, you know, announced that I was pregnant. But it was hard though. Um, I think for women, sometimes we just sit back and we suffer in silence, but you got to come out of your shell. You, you've got to talk about it. You can't just carry it. Um, I worked at that time in two different locations. I worked at the main hospital where there's like 25 of us. And then I also worked at a satellite clinic where there was only five of us in the building and um, typically about three therapists at a time in our pediatric um, setting. And I was willing to open up to those three women. I I didn't open up to the rest of the women at the main hospital, but of course my supervisor, she knew. Because also during that first pregnancy, I had developed a cyst on the left ovary. So while I was going through the miscarriage, it was painful as I went to work during lunch and trying to take the um, pain pills or whatever it is that I had to take with applesauce, um, trying to take that at work. And I remember, you know, talking to my supervisor who had suffered a miscarriage before. um, And, you know, hearing her words like, I know it hurts, but you know that it's for your good. You know, I, I started um, a challenge in the month, the last month in October, during pregnancy and infancy loss month. And it was like a five day challenge for women. And um, the reason being is I started a conversation with women. And the reason I did that was to try to help women come out of the shadows come out of those silent places of just suffering and shame all by themselves. And I would just begin to, you know, started off the conversation like, what are some of the things that people should never tell a woman who suffered a miscarriage? And I will tell you, I was shocked by the words that people say. And I I know that people can be harsh sometimes, but I didn't realize that people can be this harsh, you know? Um, not while you are suffering. And to hear this true women now who have their own babies, but still can be scarred about some of the harsh words that they heard. It's sort of, it's heart-wrenching, I must say. Um, but I realized that there were women who would say, thank you. I needed this because the ones who were in the background, silently suffering, they can see the rest of us who were willing to come forth on a platform and begin to talk about the things that people said to us, the suffering, what it felt like, um, and then just what words of advice that you would say to people. And it started a great conversation and I loved it. Um, And so my day finally came and here I was pregnant and people were celebrating with me. Um and that was a it was a a good moment in my life, a happy moment in my life. But I think people some people say um that especially for people who have miscarriages, um, and you remember the bathroom experience. Um for those who don't know, I am also the author of a book called Journal for the Infertile Woman, Wombs Coming Alive through the Word of God. And I said from the very beginning that my faith plays a major role. And let me tell you about some of these experiences and just encounters that I've had with God and why my faith is vitally important. Um, I think by all means, do whatever you have to do. Meet with your OBGYN if you're considering, um, you know, a specialist in regards to IVF do what you have to do, but find your support system, people who encourage you, find podcasts where you can share your stories, hear inspirational stories, because the one thing that you don't want to lose is called hope, all right, it's, it's hope that becomes like your driving force that helps you to keep moving, to help you keep going, to help you believe that maybe tomorrow will be the day, if you don't have hope, you have nothing really to live for, um, so I would encourage you that no matter where you are today, whatever you do, don't lose hope. I remember the day being in the kitchen one day, and this was after the miscarriage. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, "Get begin to drink some um, kale juice. I said, kale juice? Okay. And I went and uh, went and got me some kale juice. And then I started doing a lot of green smoothies. Um, and I am convinced that it was part of me moving in that situation and really start doing that that whatever i was missing nutritionally wise um that sort of helped us to conceive and then the other thing i talk about in my book as well is like this one encounter that i had with god in the bedroom experience that actually was the reason that I became pregnant. And just talking about it right now, I'm almost in chills just thinking about it. Um, you know what it's like when you you, um, you walk into a house and people are looking forward to seeing you and they wrap their arms around you, that warm embrace that you have? It was one of those type of moments that changed my life forever. Uh, my husband and I, we were in the bed making love and then we were done and i remember have, i was going to get up to go to the bathroom and all of a sudden the holy spirit said lie back down and as soon as i did that i felt a fire move across my belly and i knew at that moment that he was calling us to conceive um when we took the pregnancy test we were positive we were pregnant and like i said we went on to have a healthy baby Um, So for me, it is vitally important that you have some type of spiritual relationship, whatever that looks like for you. Um, But for me, those moments when he makes his self so real to you, that he helps you to fulfill the purpose and the calling that he has for us, you know? And so surround yourselves with people who can support you. Um, Also, I said, make sure that you are, you know, showing up and listening to various types of podcasts who can really help you out. Um, Get you a journal so you can begin to write um, your experiences, your thoughts, your concerns. Um, Like even in this book, Journal for the infertile Woman, Wombs, Coming Alive Through the Word of God, it is literally like a book within a journal. That's the only way I can explain this. Um, the research is clear and I may pull out some of the research in here, um, actually, um, I talk about certain things, certain foods, um, on how you can nourish your eggs, um, certain foods that are like rich in iron, such as broccoli, dried fruit, figs, apricots, um, and then some of, um, high foods that are high in omega-3 fatty acids, such as salmon, flat seeds, chia seeds, walnuts, and avocados, Um, but I want to share just like a a few stats here, um, in regards to stress, because this is also one of the things that I talk about in stress fertility. Um, and it says that several recent studies have found links between the woman's level of day-to-day stress and lower chances of pregnancy. For example, women whose saliva had high levels of alpha amylase, an enzyme that marked stress took 29% longer to get pregnant compared to those who had less Um, And then there's connection with things like soda to foods that are high, have a high glycemic index foods. Um, I'm just going to read one more quote here um, or statistics here. Um, And it says, the nurses study, which followed more than 18,000 women over eight years, showed that women who ate a high glycemic diet had a 92% more chance to have ovulatory infertility. Um, and so this is a journal. It has ample amount of space for you to write, but there's also a lot of research in here to various types of foods that are good to help nourish your eggs, to dealing with the importance of stress and you coming up with a stress management plan. Um, of course, there's um, information on here doing emotional check-ins to understanding your fertile window. Um, as well as to, you know, prayers, decrees, declarations. And um, I'm really excited about this because I read one of the reviews on Amazon and um, which is what I was talking about earlier. And how she said, a woman never forgets the bathroom experience. I mean, that literally, that moment traumatized me for a little bit because every moment you have another cycle your mind goes back to that bathroom experience or when you miscarried. Um, And so I just want to encourage women that if you've had a miscarriage, your life is not over. Keep trying, talk to whatever specialist you have need of um, who can help you in regards to if diet, if there's certain changes um, that need to be made with the diet to Um, looking at your stress, the amount of stress that's in your life and figuring out what type of stress management plans to going all the way back to the beginning and trying to rule out the possible causes of infertility, um, or things that may lead to miscarriages. Um, and coming up with a plan on whatever needs to be done, just, you know, with just, just health in general, um, Get your lab work done and find out if you're deficient in various types of nutrients or vitamins to see if you can increase the uptake there. Um, But if I could say one thing and one thing only, my suggestion would be to never lose hope.
0: I think that's all I have to say. You are amazing. I love all the little nuggets of advice. I feel like I always, it's so like at the end of the episode, I always ask if somebody has one piece of advice, what would it be? But I don't even feel like I have to ask you that. Because
1: awesome. Because <laughs> I just, like,
0: honestly I feel like your whole episode is filled with advice. So that was great. Uh, but now if somebody wants to find your book, where could they do so? Um, they can go right to Amazon. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And, and I'll link that in the description okay. of this episode. So it's nice. and easy Awesome. For people to find if they want to reach out to you, where could they do that?
1: Um, they can reach out to me on my social media. Um, I'm located, um, on Facebook at tiny sea Um, and we can start right there
0: awesome so i'll link that mm-hmm. as well in the description of this episode thank you so much for doing this i am so happy that you got your rainbow baby and yes i love all the little nuggets of advice that you have thrown at us in today's episode i appreciate you so much
1: oh i appreciate you thank you for this opportunity and this
0: platform to help women share their stories yes keep in touch all right right, will do